You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Try it again. Good morning. There we go. Very good. Hey, uh, have you ever been in a spot where you have to make a big decision? Have you ever been in a place where you're kind of at this crossroads and you know you've got to make a choice? Maybe for some of you, it's like this spot where like the road that you've been on is running out and you know you've got to choose a different way. Maybe you've been at this spot before where, where you know that something's coming and you need to make a choice. Have you ever been in that spot? Well, of course you have. You're in college. <laughs> and this is part of what college means, is you're at this spot where you have to make some big decisions. Some of you really soon, some of you pretty soon, and some of you, yeah, soon. <laughs> and so there's all these questions that surround this. Sometimes we ask these questions like, how do I know if this is God's Spirit working in me or this is just my ambition Maybe sometimes we ask these questions like, how, what do I do when I hit the wall? Maybe some of you are at that spot where you've hit the wall. Maybe the wall can look a lot of different ways. For some, it's doubt. For some, it's a circumstance or, or, or something that's happened in your life that's forcing you to go a different way. But what I know is this, that God wants to invite you into something in the midst of those decisions that is really important. And he wants to do it in a way of love and care. Which way do you go? How do you discern God's call? So God willing, we're going to try to give you some tools to do that using scripture, some boxes, and what's in that brown paper bag. (laughs) All right, but we're going to start with scripture. So if you have your Bibles, you would turn with me to Acts chapter 13. And I know you have your Bibles because they're right in front of you. Okay, so if you grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 13. We, are, we have been in this encounter series, as Greg mentioned. And we've actually even touched on this passage just a little bit earlier uh, in the last semester. So I'm coming back to it on purpose. There, in many ways, this passage brings us to this place that illustrates what happens often over and over and over again in Scripture, this place of how do we make decisions? What do we do? What is next? And so Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Will you bow your heads and hearts with me? God, we ask that you would be in this time and place, that your spirit would come and teach. Um, You know that I do not have enough wisdom or strength or energy, but you do. And so we ask that you would be in me. Pray that you would open our hearts to what you would show us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So to get this, really understand what's happening in the story, we need to back up just a little bit. So Paul, or Saul as he's referred to here still, um, if you remember, he, just to back up and tell his story just for a second, he was born in this town called Tarsus. Uh, He received, when he was growing up, one of the best educations you could receive in that day. In fact, it could be argued even, he may have received one of the best educations of anyone ever. Uh, One of the things we know is he served and was able to learn under a rabbi named Gamaliel, one of the greatest rabbis outside of Jesus that's probably ever walked the face of the earth. 
And so he received this education. He learned philosophy. He learned logic. He learned how to write. He learned how to make arguments. He learned all of these things, and all of those pieces undoubtedly fed into his zeal to protect and follow this God that he loved, this God that he was taught about, this God that he thought was so right. And that zeal, of course, manifested itself in some persecution of anyone who disagreed with him. In this case of our story, Christians in particular, those people who would try to live in this way of Jesus because he thought they were taking them away from God. And so we know the story as he was moving down the road to Damascus to persecute more Christians. God shows up. Jesus himself showed up in his incredible love and this transformational light, this transformational moment in Paul's life. He's blinded. He goes on into the city. Jesus sends this guy, Ananias, to go and talk to him and explain some things. And it's like, it says like scales fall from his eyes. And that's maybe physical, but it's also this symbolic movement that God frees Paul so he can really see what, who Jesus is and what he's up to in the world. And so Paul does what he would, most of us maybe have been in that spot, where when, when we're transformed in that moment of incredible transformation, we can't help but want to tell people. And so Paul starts to go and tell people. And then this is, check this, this is where it gets really interesting, and this is where our story really kind of connects with, I think, where a lot of us are. The church says, Oh, we're so glad for you. Now, go home. Yeah, but I, I have a story to tell, and I want to tell everybody about how God changed me. Mm-hmm. Go home. Go back to Tarsus. Go home. So Paul goes home. And this is, it's easy to miss in, in when we read Acts because it's only a few chapters. But what we miss is this, that Paul is basically waiting Catch this. This is really important. Catch this. For 10 years before he shows up again. In fact, where Acts 13 picks up, it's probably been 14 years since he had this encounter with Jesus. How do I know which way to go? How do I know when to wait, when to press forward? How do I know what the Holy Spirit's doing? Well, let's talk a little bit about this. I have to, I have to start with boxes. So, this is the first box. <laughs> it says human if you can't read it. Um, I wrapped this myself. It would be hard to believe it looks so good. Uh, <laughs> I feel your judgment, some of you. All right. So we talk about this thing called vocation, this, this word around here at Asbury. And vocation, that word means calling. And that, in fact, the word vocation, you might hear that word voice in there because that's part of the root of that. And as we talk about vocation here at Asbury anyway, what we're talking about is God's voice in particular on your life. Now, I, I'm, I'm borrowing the work of this guy named Paul Stevens, not our Paul Stevens, another Paul Stevens. Um, but, but I want to, I think this is really helpful as we start to think about how we make decisions. So the first vocation, the first call on our life is that to be human. In fact, we find this in Genesis chapter 1. This call has two parts to it. It's really pretty simple if you read the creation narrative at all. The first part is a call to be human. What it means to be human means to live in community. Turn to your neighbor and say, community matters. Go for it. Come on. Preach for me. All right, good. Community matters. You were created, whether you realize it or not, whether you admit it or not, whether you put voice to it or not, you were created out of this 
perfect relationship of the Trinity, that God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, living in perfect community, loving each other, pouring out in one another, serving each other. And in the midst, out of that community, they created humanity. So I've said this before here, but it's really big, kind of a big deal, so I want to say it again. You were created from community for community. I'll say it again because it's a big deal. You were created from community for community. You were created out of this community in the image of God who is in community. And so within us is a desire for community. And you know this deep within you. All of us have this sense that I can't do this alone. I want to do this in relationship. And that community is a relationship with God and a relationship with others. So I'm going to pause for one second. Some of us are trying to ask some really big, high-level questions about our future and what we should do and what job we should take or not take and where we should move and all of those things. But can I say that maybe sometimes we're trying to get ahead of ourselves and we're not even really wrestling with this reality. Am I in relationship with God? Am I in relationship with others? One of the markers for am I walking in step with the Spirit is is am I coming closer together with others or is, what, is, is my desire pulling us apart? The other part of being human is a stewardship issue. We see this again in the creation narrative that you've been given some things that God created and part of our job as humans is to take care of it. And so part of what that means is, yes, we need to take care of the creation, the things around us. And if I can go ahead and apologize for humanity, we have not done a good job. <laughs> And we've left that sort of in your lap. But that's part of your job is to take care of, to be a steward of creation. But the other thing, and this is where it really hits you, so stay with me on this one. God created you. And he created you with some gifts and some talents and some things that he made in you from when you were born. And part of your job is to steward those things as well. You were created in the image of a creator, and so part of what you are called to do, just as a human being, is to create, to use those things that God has given you to create. So turn to your neighbor, help me preach a little bit, say, create. It's one word, really easy, good. Now, you say, okay, what's the big deal about that? Well, let me be really clear. Our world, what it wants more than anything else the way that it's kind of set up for us to operate is for us to do the opposite of creation. Our job mostly is to consume in our particular world, right? And so what consuming means is that we use up something that somebody else created. What creation is about is about taking the things that we've been giving and making something new. How are you doing at bringing life to this world? And I can't tell you what that is. And to be frank, part of what college is about is you discovering your humanity, discovering the community you can be a part of, and discovering the gifts you have. So what this is really about, humanity is really about, is about who you are. So I'm going to ask you just to turn to your neighbor and say, who you are matters. Ready? Go. Great. 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 Now, there's a second vocation in here. The second vocation is this call to be a disciple. Now, for, for a lot of us, 
Again, we're asking some questions, and I think most of us here at Asbury, if I can be really honest, just kind of where we are, I think most of us kind of are, are trying to live into this human vocation, this human calling, this reality that we're called to, to be something that God created us to be. I think we get that. But this one becomes a bit more challenging because part of what it is is not just to know about Jesus, not to accept that he's done something for us in the past, but to actually know him. To actually try to follow him. See, for many of us, I think we kind of try to fit Jesus in to our schedule whenever maybe we have time. I remember one time I was on staff at a church and, and there um, one, of the, one of the board members of the church was a very high-level executive. He was a vice president of one of the largest companies, most powerful companies in our country, named Battelle. It's one of the defense contractors for the government. He had been a colonel in the, in the United States Army. He'd been on staff with Ronald Reagan. Perhaps you've heard of him. He was a president. <laughs> and I didn't know very much. I was really young, but I knew that I was dumb. Okay, that's good. And the second thing I knew was I wanted to learn about leadership from him. And so I remember asking him one day at church, can I, can I meet with you sometime? And he said, here's a number, call this number and talk to my assistant and she'll get you squared away. And so I call the number on Monday morning and I say, um, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to set up a time with Warren. This is who I am. And she said, oh, he said you'd call. Let me see if I can fit you into his schedule. And then like three weeks later, we were able to set up a, a lunch or something. And, and I remember going to that lunch with Warren and I said, Hey, uh, how's your week been, Warren? What have you been up to? <laughs> and he said, well, yesterday I had a three-hour meeting with another one of the defense contractors and two people from the Pentagon, and we basically planned the next 10 years of governmental spending. What have you been doing this week? <laughs> I play dodgeball. <laughs> See, he had to fit me into his schedule because he was busy and important. But here's the irony, right? We think, we act like we just, okay, God, we'll fit you in when we have opportunity. The God of the universe. And part of what this second vocation is about is about not just discovering your gifts, stay with me on this, but the second step is, after you discover those gifts, is surrendering them to God. So we discover these things that were created for, these things that we do well, these things that we couldn't not do, and then, <laughs> and then we've got to give them over. And part of where I think, if I can be honest with, with Asbury for a minute, where some of you are is in this place where you're kind of playing the game. You know how to act the role, but... To be honest, on the weekend, you're kind of doing whatever you want and you're wasting your time doing this and that and you're not really pursuing Jesus with all of who you are. And I'm not saying that to beat you up. I'm saying that to say you are invited into something that will change your life. A level of love, a level of understanding and seeing the world that is beyond what you're just settling for. So in our passage, we see this, that it says, now in the church of Antioch, there were these prophets and teachers, and it names them. There's this understanding in this relationship that they knew who each other were. They were living in community together. And then the beginning of verse 2 says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Some of us are looking desperately, asking questions. God, what do you have for me next? 
and we're anguishing about these things, but we're not really praying. We're not really in the Word. We're not really (laughs) opening ourselves up and making space for what God has for us. So, let me give you an example of what this might look like. Remember, Paul was waiting 10 to 14 years. In this bag, I have some tomatoes. <laughs> See, you thought that it used to be that if the speaker was bad, he could th- you could throw stuff at the tomatoes at the speaker. I'm turning that around. If you fall asleep, I'm going to throw it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so tomato is kind of an interesting thing, right? You, any fruit would probably do for this illustration, but one of these is a little less ripe than the other. And here's the thing. This is a good metaphor for us. And where many of you are right now, you're in a place where you can, if you so choose, stay connected to the vine. When a tomato first starts, if you've ever seen a tomato plant, like you can tell that's going to be a tomato. It's this little bitty thing, right? And you can tell it's going to be a tomato, but it's green. And you could take it off the vine and eat it then. And it might provide a little bit of nutrients. It probably wouldn't taste very good. But if you let it ripen, if you let it stay connected to the vine, if you let it stay in the sunshine, then it will ripen and become what it's been created to be. And for many of us in this room, this is the spot where we are. We're in this spot where God's asking us to stay connected to him, to wait, to listen, to ripen. And the thing is, it's not always fun to do that. It's not always easy to wait. We often, some of us in here are action kind of people. We want to get stuff done. And some of us say, I feel called to this, or I feel called to this, or I know God has this for me. And so why am I here at Asbury wasting my time in these classes and doing this stuff? And part of what I think God might be saying to you is, whoa, (laughs) ripen, stay connected. And you have this little window of time in your life right now to listen. Now, you could fill that up with YouTube and Netflix and all those things. Or maybe you could take this following in the way of Jesus seriously and begin to ripen and become this person that God's really created you to be. So are you following him? The third level of vocation is a personal vocation. This is what most people think about when they talk about vocation. Who am I created to be? And you do have a very specific calling from God for your life. And this is, again, kind of the paradox of faith. When we're first figuring this stuff out, we begin to live in community and start to discover our gifts In the story we're reading from Acts 13, Paul was in community. He was living with this church, and he began to figure out these things that he could do. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. It describes him as that. And then as they begin to really pour into this relationship with God, ripening, resting, allowing God to do what only he can do in your life, then becomes this refinement where they give up, they surrender their gifts, and then this other thing happens. God gives it back to you. (laughs) See, 
part of what God wants for you, part of what God's invited you to do is to live into this thing he's created you to be. But can I say this? It's really hard to see it, to know it, to feel it, unless you've done the other two things first. But this level, we often romanticize. And so oftentimes we think about it like uh, God will come and bring a voice from heaven or a light, a bright light will shine like it did in Paul's first encounter. But the reality is for this one, most of it happens just in the circumstances that we've been given. Remember Paul's journey. Remember he was given one of the greatest educations ever. And here's an opportunity, this beginning of his call to be a missionary, for him to actually use those things. And so this is what we begin to see as we say yes to God, is that he begins to unlock these things and invite us into it. So it's not just who you are or whose you are, it's who you're created to be. And so let me just ask you this as you're kind of thinking and discerning a little bit. What can you not do? What's the thing that you would do even if no one paid you or sent you to school for it? What's the things that you, that God's put in you, the dreams that God's been dreaming in you, maybe even from when you were a little kid? What are those things? Those are the parts that God wants to begin to use. What are the experiences you've had that maybe God, God said, that is a deep pain for you, but you know what? Because of that deep pain, you're so passionate about it that I want to use that in a way that will bring the kingdom of God. This is the third level of vocation, this personal calling. Now here's the problem, I think, for a lot of us, is that we've been given gifts, but we kind of like what they have over there. Like, I really like that way that person can speak, or I really like the way that person can sing, or I really like the way that person can fill in the blank, or I really like the way that even that person looks. Or, and we have all of these things, and we step into this game of comparing ourselves to other people, and we say, that's what I want is that right there, or that's what I want is that right there, or if only I had that right there. But what God is trying to say to you, and I think, again, this is part of this waiting process of maturing, of ripening, and then stepping into this vocation, is for you to own who you are, own who God's created you to be, own the gifts that God has given you. So you say, well, how do I know what those are? Well, a couple things that I think are really important. One, I think for many, it's just discovering what are the things that you do that you don't think are that big of a deal that other people think is a really big deal. <laughs> Some of us in this room are gifted in ways musically that I cannot fathom. <laughs> Some of us in this room can do some things in terms of filmmaking or storytelling that I have no concept of. Some of you in this room can listen to other people, and the Lord knows we need more listening, yes? <laughs> Whatever God's giving you to do, start doing that. Live into that. Now, there's this other part of this, right? So as we start doing those things, and as we maybe move away from from comparing ourselves to others, there's often this kind of tension. Like, how do I know this is not my ambition and this is really the Holy Spirit? A couple things that I think God's given us in that. One is simply this. I think one of the clues is, have I lost my sense of wonder and gratitude for what I'm doing? When I'm pursuing my own agenda, then oftentimes what that means is I start to fall apart in terms of my community around me and I stop being grateful for the opportunities God has for me. 
sometimes we get so used to what God's put in front of us that we forget to be thankful for it. Another clue might be this. Sometimes we're pushing so hard all the time. So I heard this great quote from uh, this really old pastor. (laughs) Uh, I was at a pastor convention. Uh, They have those conferences, like pastors get together. And uh, they're standing around. Some guys are standing around. And I was really young, and I was trying to learn as much as I could. And people are standing around, and they're kind of doing the comparing how busy they are thing. I'm sure none of you can relate here. And they're comparing their schedules and talking about how hard it is and da 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 And this really old pastor, he just goes, you know, if it's too heavy, maybe it wasn't for you to pick up. Maybe it was for somebody else. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sometimes we try to be somebody else and do things that other people have been given to do and it just wears us down. We're trying to push it so hard. I wonder what it would be like if we began to step into this rhythm of really listening to God and inviting him to guide and direct us. So it leads to these things. If we begin to live into these things, then it leads to things that you know about. It leads to community that we get more and more close with people who love God and are following in him. And one of the things I know is when I don't live in any of these ways, any of these callings for my life, then that's when relationships start to strain and fracture. Here's what else I know. It leads to this thing called the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These things start to show up in my life, not because I'm trying so hard, but because that's part of who God is making me to be. And then this thing where we in our lives begin to point people to Jesus becomes a huge part of that. Now, let me, let me wrap up by saying it like this. <laughs> you, uh, you have a simple job in this whole process. You ready? Two things. Hold up two fingers. Two things. Number one, here's your job. Surrender. <laughs> Just to say yes to what God has for you. Number two, second finger, really simple, is to make space for God to work in your life. That's it. That's your job, to surrender and to make space. And as you do those things in each of these call in your life, then God will do his job. And here's what his job is. His job is to create you, to call you, to love you, to be with you, to go before you and behind you, to transform you, to prepare you and gift you for the things that he's called you to. Hear me say this really carefully. Don't try to do God's job and forget yours. Your job is to surrender and say, yeah. See, for most of us, it's not going to be this great big voice from heaven. It's not going to be a great light. It's not going to be somebody writing on the wall. It's not going to be this epiphanal moment where everything becomes clear. For most of us, it's that simple thing of ripening in the sun of taking one little step and then one more step and then one more step of keep saying yes to God. Then we'll be able to discover and live into our God-given gifts, dreams, and calling. Here's the thing. Just to ask, how you doing? Are you saying yes to this human call, this call to live in community with God and others? Are you living into this call to steward what God's given you? Or are you just taking up what everybody else is offering.
Are you following Jesus with all of who you are? Are you willing to let go and surrender some things so that he can be first in your life? Are you willing to step into who God really created you to be? I'm going to say two words, and then we're going to sing a quick song and and be done. But here's the deal. I, I have to say this. Not just because I'm standing up here, because I teach in the department I teach in, but I just have to ask. I think maybe some of us in this room might be struggling with this call to really follow God, to serve him. And I'm going to be even more specific than that. I think some of us in this room are fighting with a call to maybe full-time ministry of some kind, and we may not know what that looks like. It may not be any of the boxes that we've already been given. It may not be to be a lead pastor or a missionary or a youth pastor or whatever. Maybe God's calling you to some kind of ministry, and you know it, but you don't want to say yes. Can I just ask you today to just take that simple step and say yes. What God wants you to be is all of this, to say yes to all of this. And when you are, you're this Holy Spirit-empowered, creative, life-giving, people-noticing, serving in the dark, people-loving, but only God-pleasing kind of person that this world needs.